Welcome to Gap Hill. Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Lord, we lift you up now. We magnify you, Lord. We bless you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Let's sing to the Lord. We waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. And you're the reason we're here. And you're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky. You're sending like a cloud, you're standing with us now. Lord, unveil our eyes, and you're the reason we're here, and you're the reason we're singing, and open up the heavens, we want to see you, open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our brain.
And I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Oh, I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. Oh, I raise a hallelujah. And heaven comes to fight for me. Bring it. 
next to you may not know what kind of storm you're going through. Your neighbors don't know. Your best friend may not know. Your mom and dad may not know. But God knows. And all you got to do is lift up a hallelujah. Lift up a praise to Him. He's our answer. He's the one that will solve the problem. He'll give us strength and healing. He is our power. And it's by His Spirit, not by our thoughts or our processes. By His Spirit alone do we have these answers. Amen? Let's sing it to Him. And I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the key. One more time. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated The King is alive I raise a hallelujah Oh, I raise a hallelujah I raise a like our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord.
this morning. Are you glad to be saved? Amen and amen. So good to see everybody this morning. And um, just got a few announcements to make. I need more floor. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Ann and David Barnhart have accepted the children's pastor's positions. I'm excited about that. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. That really come at a time that we needed it. And um, also for Gap City Kids Church Fundraiser, it continues today. There's actually going to be a um, pound cake. And at the end of the service, we will actually be drawing for that. So I'm excited about that. You can cut down a little bit, please. Next week's cake will be vanilla cake with strawberries. This just sounds good. I don't totally understand it, but it sounds great. Vanilla cake with strawberries, white chocolate, slash cream cheese icing. And Miss Sheila McKinney is going to be doing that. Uh, that just, I'm telling you folks, that, that sounds heavenly, don't it? <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I don't even know if I can focus to preach right now. Anyhow, and so um, just need you to. Need you to purchase your tickets today. And we we'll also want to make an announcement that we have got $607 uh, toward the children's playground. I'm working on that. And so thank you for helping to be able to raise that money. And I will get to work on that very, very shortly. Before we leave today, we'll go over the prayer request and all of that. But for now, let's get right into the word. Are you ready for the word today? Yes. Give me yours, man. If you're ready for the word today, say amen. amen. All right. If we could, I'm going to get you to stand just one more time. And, um, and, and that's, that's going to be it. Are we on the floor here? In John chapter 11 is where we're going to go. John chapter 11 and verse 38 
through verse 44. Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I love that scripture. It's so powerful. If you would just believe, you will see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. It would do some of us good today if we would understand that concept. That when you pray, Jesus hears you. Not just, he hears you sometimes, but he always hears me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. But Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Amen. You may be seated today in the presence of God. If I had to title it today, I guess I'm going to go with the thought, getting rid of rocks and rags. And it is my goal today that by the time I'm finished that you will have experienced this in a way that you never have before in no other fashion. In other words, I want us to get a new light in this scripture. Something we've never seen before, I hope today, is what happens. Jesus has been preaching in the villages beyond the Jordan River. And he receives the word that his dear friend Lazarus is sick. Now you would have thought that he would have jumped up and just ran straight to Bethany where his friend Lazarus is. But rather he does not do that. The Bible teaches us that he waited for two days before returning back to Judea or even leaving. He knew that Lazarus would be dead when he arrived in Bethany. I said he already knew that he would be dead when he got back from Bethany. But Jesus also knew that he was about to perform a miracle that people were going to stand back and recognize the glory of God in that place. Can I tell somebody today... That, that he knows more than you do. Can I tell somebody today that he knows things that you don't know. He knows things that I don't know. And the beautiful thing about God. While Mary and Martha are pouting and, and saying. Lord why weren't you here. And you should have done this and that and the other. And trying to tell Jesus how to do his job. What he understood was this. He sees the end at the beginning. And that's what somebody needs to grab today. We get so worried and stressed out about things that are going on in our life. And we're trying to see the end. But God has not given us that ability, folks. We cannot see the end until we get to the end. So everything in between is a mystery. There was a reason that God called this thing a walk of faith. Because it is a day by day, just a closer walk with thee. Just lead me day by day, Jesus. That's all that I'm asking of you. So we understand this concept in our spiritual lives. That when we don't see the way, we have to understand that there is a God that already knows where we're going. That is why Job, when 
He was in a position in his life that he says, I'm looking left and right and up. I'm looking everywhere that I can for the glory and the presence of God. I can't find him anywhere. But he finally came up with this conclusion. He said, but he knows the way or the path that I'm going to take. And when I get to the end, it's going to be better than my beginning. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So somebody needs to know today, that is exactly what Jesus is going to do for you. You may think he's late. You may think he's behind time. You may think he's doing things wrong and out of order But I came to tell somebody today that Jesus knows your condition But he also knows something you don't And that is that he is going to perform a miracle in your life That you're going to stand back and say Praise be to God, he's the only one that can do these kind of things So in our story, and our text It is more than just about resurrection power We often use this maybe Even on Easter Sunday when we talk about resurrection. And we may even mention the name of Lazarus. But this is also about two points. And I'm going to keep it very, very simple this morning. I'm going to talk about the point of hearing Jesus. It's about hearing from Jesus. And number two, it is about helping one another. Are you ready for this? Helping one another. Number one, I want to talk about the point hearing from Jesus. In the miracle of Lazarus' resurrection, Jesus issues to them three distinct commands. Now, uh, I'm not too good with kids, but I've done kids' church before. And I'm pretty fun, I think, at least. I feel like I am. You know, yeah. I think I'm a pretty fun guy. And so one of the things that I like doing when I was a kid, sometimes I do it, is I want to race. Let's have a race, you know. Let's see who can be the fastest. And the, the, the key that we used to say, or I used to say, I would go three, two, one, go. Anybody ever use that? Anybody with your kids or, or any, uh, maybe when you were a kid or maybe some of you still do it today. I don't know. Sometimes I see Carol Chavis run across the, the parking lot out there. It scares me to death. He's wide open, son. Wide open. Wide open. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, three, two, One, what that does is it builds the anticipation of the moment. And so so when we, in our kids' church over there this morning, they had a video up, and what that video does is it's a five-minute countdown, and so it's counting down. And when it gets to ten, a voice comes over this thing. It will say, ten, nine, eight. Never whoa, it draws your attention in that something is about to happen. There's a change coming. There is an anticipation. We're about to begin. We're about to start. That is kind of what Jesus does with these three commands. It's as if he's saying three, obey that one. Two, obey that one. One, obey that one. Miracle. Three, two, one, miracle. We need to understand something. And you know, I love Jesus because he... He's good at what I'll call theatrics. That's what we'll call it. In building the moment, in building the anticipation. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5, I love this scripture. So powerful. Then Joshua told the people, said, purify yourselves. For tomorrow, somebody say tomorrow. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders or miracles among you. It's as if 
if God's building the theatrics of three, two, one, a miracle's coming. God knows how to do that to get us anticipating what is about to come. In 1 Corinthians 2 9, one of the best and most anticipated events of all history. This is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love you. It has not even entered into your heart or into your mind. You cannot process what I am about to do. This God of theatrics, three, two, one, and there it is. That's the way it's going to be on the day that Jesus comes back. We're sitting here. We're waiting. We're longing. Paul said there's going to come a day when you're going to lift up your head knowing your redemption draws nigh. He said there's going to come a day when you're even going to pray. John said... Even so, come Lord Jesus. And every sign that I see is like a three. And I see another and it's a two. And I see another and it's a one. And all I'm waiting on is when he comes out on that white horse and blows that trumpet. Oh, somebody ought to say amen. God knows how to build the anticipation and the excitement of the moment. And I kind of feel like that's what God is doing with Lazarus. And so he gives them three simple steps to obey. Now for those that have been at the wedding of Cana. Which is the first miracle that Jesus ever performed in his earthly ministry. That we read of in the scriptures. You'll recall when he tells them. He says go get some water. Go fill the jugs. Go fill the barrels. And they're sitting there thinking. What, what are you talking about? Why would we do that? To which the mother of Jesus Mary says. Hey. You just do whatever he says. Because if you do whatever he says. A miracle is about to happen. If you'll just hear him, if you will just listen to him, if you will just obey his voice, a miracle is, and water is turned in the wine. It's amazing. So in verse 39 of our text, he first tells the bystanders, this is what you need to grab. He tells them step number one. He says, I want you to take away the stone that is in front of the door. All right. And then in verse 43, he calls out. To Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come forth. In verse 44, finally Jesus commanded the people in the crowd. See, Jesus likes participators. He doesn't like bystanders. I'm going to let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus wants everybody in the game. He wants everybody working for the kingdom. He does not want to select 10 or 15% of the church doing all the work. He wants everybody in the church of God that says, I'm a Christian, I'm a born-again believer. He wants you to be part of the kingdom work. Come on, somebody. He does not have bench warmers. He doesn't like that. So he looks at the people in the crowd that are just watching as spectators, and he says, I've got a command for you. Because Lazarus is out. He says, the command to you is just take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Another version said loose him. And let him go. Now if Jesus had the power. To raise Lazarus from the dead. And we know he did. I've read it to you. Why didn't he supernaturally. Just remove the rock. And the rags. There is something for us to learn here. I mean don't you think that. I mean how many of you ever seen God do that for you. I mean, something that was in your way and supernaturally, bam, it's gone. Nobody around, just you and Jesus. He's got the power to do that. 
I've seen him change my situation and he did it overnight. You go to sleep thinking one thing's going to happen. And you wake up the next day only to find that God had rolled that stone away. God had removed any obstacles that were in your way. God had already taken care of it while you were sleeping. God was working. You wake up, everything's fine. So I do believe that this God has the power that he could have said it this way. Stone move. Lazarus out. Grave clothes off. It's that simple, right? And all of a sudden, it happened instantaneously. It is done. But for some reason, Jesus wanted ordinary people to demonstrate and participate in his power to help make a miracle. It is like a little boy with a lunch. God, Jesus, could have made something out of nothing. But he'd rather take a little boy and bring him up and increase his faith than show him this is the power that God has to do, son. Just watch. Let me take your lunch and show you what I can do with it, boy. It's Moses with a rod in his hand. And when he drops it, it becomes a serpent. It it, it is David with a sling and a stone fighting against a guy that's nine foot nine inches. But God to show him, I could kill Goliath. I could push him over. I could speak and it would decimate right there in your presence because he's defied my name. But I prefer to let ordinary people be a part of the... Oh my God, I feel like telling y'all that. Is there anybody in this house that is thankful that God allows you to be part of the demonstration of the power of God? I mean, listen. God can heal somebody and he can do it instantaneously. He could do it while they were sleeping at night. They could go to the doctor the next day and the doctor say, Man, I don't know what in the world happened, but but this growth, it is all of a sudden gone. I can't explain it. Something's happened. And they understand in their spirit that God has done it. But don't you love it when God gives us the opportunity to get some anointing oil or a prayer cloth or lay hands on the sick just like the Bible said. And all of a sudden, God heals that person while we're laying hands on them. What God has done, He's let an ordinary person, an ordinary guy, an ordinary gal be a part of a miracle. There's nothing like it. And then whenever they come to church and say the doctor said this happened. All of a sudden our faith is increased. Because we know that God put us in the middle of it. During a training exercise in the field. There's a young army recruit that naively looks at his commander. And he says, sir, where is my foxhole? The officer yells back like they do. And he said, just standing on it, boy, just throw out the dirt. But he wanted him to understand, you make your own foxhole. You are standing in the middle of it. And I feel like that that's exactly what God is doing in this text. He is telling the people, you are looking for a miracle. You are standing in the middle of a miracle. It is about to happen and you're going to be slap dab in the middle of it. My God, they just had to get rid of the rocks and the rags. And then they see this great miracle. But these people did more that day than just remove a stone and remove some grave clothes. They heard Jesus. And they listened to Jesus. And they helped this man named Lazarus. Have we heard from God lately? 
Have we heard what God has commanded us to do as Christians? I mean, I mean, we must obey His voice. I mean, if like the mother of Jesus, just whatever He says, do, do it. If we are going to experience the miracle and the blessing, we've got to get involved and we've got to do something. We've got to obey the commands of the Lord. Whatever they may be, we have to do them. And when we obey His voice, a miracle is bound to happen. Are y'all ready for this? So I, I'm looking in my Bible and I'm trying to find some simple commands that God has given me as a believer. And I found some that are pretty simple, but they're really tough. John 13, 34, he said, love one another. If you can't love one another, forget about a miracle. It ain't happening. <laughs> if all you ever do all the time is hate your brother and sister, then God says to that person, there's no miracle going to happen. you got to love one another. That's the voice of God. Have you heard from him lately? In Galatians 5, 13, he said, serve one another. That's tough right there. Do you know why? Because my mind, I, I think a certain way. My wife will tell you it's really weird. But, but I do think sometimes. And I, I think a certain way. But when I thought about that scripture, the first thing my mind went to is a server. A waiter. What do they do? You go to a restaurant. You sit down. They bring you your tea, your water, whatever you ask for. They bring you your food. They say, ma'am, is there anything else I can do for you today? And they smile. If they're a good waiter anyhow, server. And yeah, 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 yeah I'd like some salt and pepper. Oh, oh, no problem, I'll go get salt and pepper. Oh, oh, ma'am, I forgot to ask. Uh, could you bring me some napkins? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get some. Oh, oh, and one more thing. Oh, my God. But if it's a good server, guess what they do? They simply, they just serve. That's all they do, they serve. That's what their job is. That's what they're supposed to do. Now, this is where my mind goes when I start thinking. Is I've been in some restaurants and I've heard some difficult to deal with people. I know, honey, I shouldn't do it. I know, I know. I'm sitting in Cracker Barrel the other day. This guy, this woman had her mask down just to her nose. And this guy just come in and said, you pull your mask up. She's a worker. Pull your mask up. Now, something in us would want to look at him and say, you mind your own business, buddy. If, I don't want to, if I, I've got to breathe, you leave me alone. But being a server, you know what she did? She put up, yes, sir, I'm sorry. Serving one another means this. Dealing with difficult people. Now, we don't mind serving people that are good to us. We don't mind serving people that want to help us. But God has called me as a Christian to serve people that I don't like sometimes. Move on, Jimmy. I am. Galatians 6, 2. He said, bear one another's burdens. What does that mean in short? That means that if I see you struggling, I'm supposed to put some of that weight on me and say, hey, I'm here for you to help you. This is hearing his voice. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another. And he goes on and said, forgive one another. That means there's no room for grudges and miracles. Philippians chapter 2 and 3, esteem others. That means respect others above yourself. That's a tough one. James 5, 16, he said, pray for one another. Hebrews 10, consider one another. That means think of ways to motivate one another in order to stir up good gifts and love and good works. 
In 1 Peter 4 9, he said, be hospitable to one another. Do you know what it meant by definition? It meant to share your home with somebody. Man, I'm telling you, this Jesus is tough, ain't he? This serving God, this is some tough stuff right here. If we really do it right. It can be difficult. But if I'm going to stand in the middle of the miracle. And if I'm going to be a part of removing the rocks and removing the rags. These are some of the things I'm going to have to hear. Because my master is saying them to me. He is bidding me to do them. Now that I've heard God's word. Now that I have obeyed God's word. Now I'm ready to go to the next step. Are you ready? Number two. It is helping each other. Can I be honest with y'all? There are times when it's very difficult and I'm afraid and you're afraid to drop our guard. Admit that we have a need and allow somebody else to help us. I pastored a church. I'll go ahead and call it. It was Georgetown in Georgetown, South Carolina. And I'm pastoring this church. I have this guy. I'll allow it to remain anonymous. And he comes up to me one day and he's very, very angry. Because somebody in his family has had a surgery on their arm. And he wanted to know why I didn't show up at the hospital for his, I believe it was his daughter, for his daughter's surgery. Right? To which I looked at him and said, I am not God. I do not know all things. I had no idea that your daughter was even having a surgery. And that got me thinking... How and you know we complain sometimes and we talk about nobody won't help me. Nobody in that church is willing to come and give me some assistance. Nobody's considerate of me. Have you told anybody that you even have a need to begin with? Because if you don't tell me that you have a need, guess what? I cannot help you. But if you will let down your guard and if you will be you hum- have enough humanity and be vulnerable enough to tell me I'm struggling, I need help, I need prayer, then guess what I can do? Guess what others can do? We can begin to help you. As scary as it is to let others help us, on the other hand, the prospect or the thought of helping other people can be even more intimidating. Mary, who is, or Martha, who is known as the warrior. You remember the story of Mary and Martha, and they're in the house, and Jesus is there. You recall the story that Mary is knelt down at the feet of Jesus, soaking up his presence. What is Martha doing? Running around. She even says, Lord, why don't you get Mary, my my sister over there? She's so lazy. She won't help me clean. She won't help me cook. And finally, Jesus says, Martha, you are worrying too much. It would do you well just to sit at the feet of the master and quit your bacon biscuits for just a few minutes. You've gotten so cumbered and so busy with all of these other things around you that you've forgotten the most important thing that you can do is be in my presence and grow in my presence. You're always going to have biscuits. You're always going to have meals but me you will not always have with you you better worry about that Martha so here we go Martha the warrior comes up to the scene what's her first words Jesus said remove that stone and she says Lord wait a minute do you know it's been four days she's worried about the stink he stinks by now Are you kidding me, Martha? Right now, Jesus is about to perform one of the greatest miracles we've ever seen in the Bible. And all you can talk about is worried about if it stinks. 
Sometimes we're worried that we'll create a stink if we try to help other people. We're afraid, well, if I help them, they may get offended by that. Or, 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 or if I help them, someone else may get offended by me helping them. Oh, come on now. There's a pastor who agrees to cancel with a woman in his church. He knew he'd made a big mistake. She opened up the first session and this is the words that she said to the pastor. She said, I want to thank you for seeing me. Especially since my husband said that he'd kill anybody that I talked to about our problems. Helping people might be risky. But it is also rewarding. It may stir up a stink. Somebody may get offended. They may say, well, if they can help them, why didn't they help me? But when Jesus told the people to take away the stone, let me show you this. He was teaching them a valuable lesson that God has not put you here to be self-sufficient. God has not put you here to be on a secluded island by yourself. He has put you here so that you can help other people. And the stone represents anything that stands between an individual and getting to Jesus. What held Lazarus back from? It's the stone. And he tells the people, there's times you've got to be willing to move things out the way so that people can get to Jesus. I would to God that we had some rock movers in the church today that would say, you got a problem, let me help you with it. You know, I like it. Somebody be told me, I say, I ain't got gas to get to church. You want to be a rock mover, you look at him and say, let me tell you, honey, I'm going to come get you. Be ready at such and such. That's called a rock mover. It don't matter what. Somebody told me before, said, well, I don't have clothes to come to. I said, that's fine. We're going to buy you some. That's being a rock mover. Whatever your excuse is, whatever rock is standing in your way, I'm going to help you and I'm going to get you to Jesus. Because that's what he wants me to do. The good news is that we can remove obstacles that keep people from Christ. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. Another one said, loose him and let him go. Again, he's teaching them with the rags. You got to help one another. And I'll close with this. Sometimes people enter into Christ's kingdom wearing grave clothes. There's some people that even enter into God's kingdom. I'm just going to be honest, they stink. They stink. They carry a stench around with them, they carry a bad odor around with them. They've got a name for what they have been. There's the lady at the well that had five husbands. The one she's with is not her own. That situation stunk. I mean, that's some stink right there. You think Jesus cared? He removes every obstacle and says, Lady, I'm here. I'm going to give you some water. You will never thirst again. There's some people that come in stinking. Can I tell somebody? I have prayed alcoholics to soberness at an altar. An old-fashioned altar. I have seen people come in staggering drunk. And while we're praying for them, they belch. And you talk about stink. I'm talking stink. And you just rear back and throw a hand and then lay hands on them again. Rebuke the devil of alcoholism on them. It stunk. Literally, it stunk. But I've seen God as he delivered them, loosed them, and set them free. And all I could say is I am glad that I was able to help get the rags off of them. I'm glad. My God. See, somebody's got to understand today that these people have been wrapped up in old habits. Old habits are plaguing them. We got to get those old habits off of them. They got to understand that there's sinful behavior in their life. And it's wrapped around them. 
Some of them want to be broke free. They don't want to live this way anymore. But all they need is somebody with the power of God in them to go over there and gently start moving those rags and say, you don't have to live this way anymore. You don't have to be this old man anymore. Jesus can change it. There's some people that come to church and they're wrapped up in painful memories. Some of them are even Christians. They're just struggling, barely hanging on. Even thinking about leaving the church. They have painful memories of the church. They got hurt one time before. And now they're laying dead. And they feel like wrapped in grave clothes. In rags. Never going to be set free again. Every time they try to open themselves up. Somebody in the church always hurt them. Some kind, supposedly loving Christian would always say something. That just pushed them right back into the tomb. And here they are wrapped up in painful memories. Jesus is calling me. Jesus is saying to the crowd. It is time for you. Don't grab it. Don't rip it off. Don't throw them down on the floor. And manhandle them. He says I want you just to gently. With the love of God. With tenderness. Be, just, just be their servant. Just serve them. Just love them. And go and gently take those. And one by one. You begin to unwrap the wrappings of death. And you begin to help each other. Just like I've called you to do. Matthew 16, 18 through 19. I also say to you, you're Peter on this rock. I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Watch this. This is good. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Are you ready? And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I need somebody to go. What God is saying to the Christian and to the church. Hell cannot win. Sin cannot win. And even with Lazarus. Death cannot win. Because when you speak. This is powerful. When you speak. Be loosed on earth. Are, 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 are y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready? Everybody ready? I'm getting super excited right now. Man, I'm getting excited about Jesus. All right. Somebody comes to the altar. You praying for him. You know, I've, I've, I've dealt with some drug addicts, man. I, I have one girl, you know, demon possessed. Dealt with all that stuff. Acting crazy, growling, talking in voices you don't know. I've been a part of all that. But I remember looking at that. And you, were, you said, loose them from that demon of whatever it is. Demon of alcohol. I don't care what it is. You call that demon by name. And that old demon would get to working in them and just, just trying to stay inside and fight to hold on to that individual. But this is what God says happens. Are you ready? When a child of God that has heard his voice, uh, that is just trying to remove rags and help other people with the anointing of the Spirit that's been put inside of them, his name's the Holy Ghost. And when he looks at him and says, be loose from that demon of alcohol. All of a sudden, when we say be loose on earth, there's a God above that says, be loose in heaven and when he says be loose that is all that it takes and that's all that matters because when he says be loose guess what honey 
It all falls off. We have unwrapped all of those things on that individual. There's somebody in here today that needs to understand the power that God has given you. He has given you the keys to the kingdom. And He has given you the right to speak to those that are bound. And say in the name of Jesus, be loose. I would to God that I had some more Christians that would use the anointing and the authority of the Holy Ghost on them. And start loosening some things on earth. Loosening some things in their family. And God's going to say, be loose. And when he does, guess what? It happens. I'm closing with this. My God, God, play me a song here. I'm closing. So, I was reading something the other day, and this is so good. This is a guy, and you've probably heard of him. He did some writing. His name's Adrian Rogers. Anybody ever heard of this guy? Well, you ought to. So, once Lazarus receives new life, he did what every born-again person should do. He, too, wants to help others. Now, as an illustration, in his book, Adrian Rogers, it's entitled Believe in Miracles but Trust in Jesus. He shares what he calls his imaginary story of Lazarus. Because there's a lot of things in the Bible, folks, that we really don't know every detail, right? So sometimes, preacher, we do little inserts. Perhaps this happened or maybe this happened. So in light of this story, this is what Adrian writes. He says, think again of the story of the four men who brought a paralyzed man to Jesus on a stretcher in Mark 2, 1 through 12. Picture these four men telling their paralyzed friend, we're going to carry you to Jesus. But he says, Jesus can't do anything for me. I'm totally paralyzed. So, one of the four men says, well, I was blind, but Jesus opened my eyes. Praise God, now I can see. But the paralyzed man says, that was just your eyes. I'm paralyzed all over. The man carrying another corner of the stretcher says, hey, you just wait a minute. Let me tell you about my withered arm. Jesus straightened that thing out and healed my arm. The paralyzed man praises God but objects again and says, that was just an arm. My entire body is paralyzed. To which the third man says, I was deaf. But Jesus opened my ears. Paralyzed man still isn't convinced because after all, opening ears, surely that can't be as hard as healing a body that's completely paralyzed. But Adrian Rogers said, imagine that there's a fourth man and he's carrying the fourth corner of the stretcher. And he says, healing a paralyzed body is no problem for my Jesus. What do you mean? Says the paralyzed man to which he says, I know because my name is Lazarus. And I was dead. 